0: Hello everyone, and welcome to episode fifty-nine of the IoT for All podcast. I'm your host Ryan Chacon, and today's guest is Kent Dixon, the CEO and co-founder of Yonomi. Yonomi is an IoT company creating a more connected smart home. They build smart home solutions for people and companies to connect devices, integrate multiple platforms, and really bring the home to life. And on today's episode, we sit down and talk about the smart home industry, namely the state of the smart home landscape and how COVID nineteen pandemic could make or break progress. For for smart home companies around the world. Uh, it's a very interesting conversation that we have talking about how COVID 19 is not just a pa- impacting the smart home industry from a device manufacturing company perspective, but also from those of us who are now stuck in our homes working um, and interacting more with our smart home devices. We talk about what it's like now, what it'll be like after the pandemic, and then into the future to give you some really nice insights into the potential growth and evolution of the smart home uh, industry itself. So hope you enjoy this episode. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Kent Dixon, the CEO and co-founder of Yonomi. Welcome, Kent, to the IoT for All show. How's uh, your week going and and how are you dealing with all this coronavirus stuff? Uh, Well, thanks for having me, Ryan. Yeah,
1: it's a strange time indeed. Uh, One of our uh, definitely a different mode of working for our company. I think over the last couple of weeks, we're getting used to it still. I'm um, working at home, of course, as is the whole company. I'm sure you are too. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, aside from just not being in the office, it seems like we're doing pretty well so far. And, and, you know, our customers giving that we're a smart home platform, uh, seem to be more, uh, more excited about what we're doing than they've ever been.
0: Fantastic. Um, I think one of the best ways to start this, and we usually start this way, with every show, is to have our guest uh, introduce themselves. So, if you would take a second just to kind of give some insights and backgrounds into yourself, and kind of what you know, uh, you know what you worked on in the past, anything that you may seem relevant to our audience to kind of get a better sense of who you are.
1: Oh, sure. Well, me personally, I'm sure we'll talk about you know me in a moment. But uh, me personally, I. Have uh, spent essentially my entire career building software. Um, And uh, for much of that, I worked in enterprise software where uh, we were delivering a platform to enterprises all over the world, really, who were building mission critical. uh, solutions on top of it that was called the WebLogic platform at the time from a company called BEA, which is now Oracle. Okay. Um, and uh, learned a lot of really interesting things during that time about being, uh, uh, you know, very fault tolerant, highly scalable, and really just about being a platform that other innovators could build uh, even more interesting things on top of. So being more of a middleware uh, for the folks who are going to do the a super interesting work. That's awesome. After that, uh, the way that I got into IOT is, uh, when we sold the company to Oracle, I decided it was time to go back and, and do another startup. Um, and, uh, w- went to work for a company called Tendril. Uh, and Tendril was working, um, a, on smart home adjacent things at the time around energy management. So the way to interface homes with the smart grid and make the homes very responsive to what was happening on the grid and yet keep customers or, you know, residents very comfortable at the same time. And so that introduced me to a lot of the really hard problems around, uh, connecting devices to consumers, um, to other types of services and, uh, got really inspired by
0: that. Um, and, uh, ultimately that led to me co-founding, you know me. fantastic. So my next question was going to be, how did Yonomi know get started? But you kind of just answered that already and where the idea came from. So why don't you talk a little bit more about what Yonomi know does and the role you all, you all play in the IOT space. Sure. Um, Well,
1: you know me is the simple smart home integration platform. We make it easy for innovators to build great apps or devices that connect with the smart home. That's the headline. We're trying to simplify the interoperability uh, problem of the home. Uh, throughout the connected ecosystem, so we all know that you know there's lots of great devices that sort of show up in the home. There may be appliances, there may be door locks, there may be door, uh, lights, TVs, that type of thing, and they weren't necessarily built to work together. Um, but we provide a platform that uh, that makes those things sort of seamlessly um, uh, interoperate together and integrated uh, through a single API, so that. Uh, those who are building uh, great solutions can uh, can can make the home uh, be harmonious
0: very cool. do you want to take our audience through um, some kind of i guess how it works some examples um, so they can kind of connect this to maybe what they're familiar with in, in their own smart home, um, uh, space. I mean, obviously people have different smart home, um, tools and services that they pay for and utilize around their, their homes. Um, but I guess just kind of connecting it a little bit more to something specific to kind of talk, uh, or help the audience connect better, um, in, in a real, uh, kind of situation. Yeah, sure.
1: Um, so, you know, if, if you're a consumer, uh, if you put on that hat for a moment, uh, think about uh, the types of things that you have in your home. Again, there may be lights, locks, uh, television thermostats, um, uh, appliances, vacuums. Um, those things don't uh, out of the box work together. They're all great by themselves, uh, but they're not coordinated in any way. Um, so... Uh, so we provide a consumer app, a free consumer app, um, as an example of how an agnostic smart home can, can work well together. Um, through that app, you, the consumer, can uh, create routines or we sometimes auto, auto-generate those for you that uh, could automate daily tasks in interesting ways, like an arrive home routine. Uh, you know, you know, me notices that you arrived home based on some geo uh, turns on the lights, starts playing the music, adjusts the temperature, um, and, uh, and makes your home, you know, pleasant to walk into. Um, uh, or, uh, for instance, might know that notice that you've just turned on the TV and a routine runs to dim the lights, uh, turn off the background music, um, and uh, and maybe send the the Roomba uh, back to its base so that it's not making noise while you're watching movies. So that's those are a couple of tangible examples of how automation and making devices work together in a seamless way value consumers. Um, but if you're a developer whether you're an app developer or a device maker um, you would use you know Me in a different way um, if you're a device maker who's bringing a new, uh, device to market. Uh, one of the key things it needs to be able to do is connect to the cloud. Uh, we are we have a cloud enablement stack um, that we um, that we make available for device makers so that they get to market really quickly and uh, have a backend cloud uh, for that device that is scalable, secure, and uh, importantly interoperable with other things. So out of the box, it'll have. Uh, connections to Alexa to Google to you know me service of course um, and uh, and have a great API for all of your partners to tie into now if you're an app developer on the other hand or some service provider um, you may want to uh, offer uh, services to a bunch of different uh, consumers let's say you're offering a uh, an energy management service, for instance. Um, and you don't so much care which thermostat the consumer has. You just want to know if they have a connected thermostat. You don't really care um, which uh, you know, plugs uh, might be that home. You just want to know if you have plugs or appliances that you can uh, coordinate for the purposes of energy management. So we make that all available through an API, so my home may look different from your home, but to an app developer, they can still apply their same energy management uh, application to that. So long-winded answer, Ryan, but uh, but those are the places that we try to help people.
0: Fantastic. So kind of building off of what you mentioned about how Yonomi works and the different areas um, that you guys are involved in when it comes to the smart home, can you talk me through just kind of how you would connect um, smart home tech with different types of interfaces. So each each app or each tool or, or device that somebody buys for so a smart home has its own interface and kind of um, way for the user to engage with the device itself, um, whether it's smart lighting, um, you know, temperature control, blind control, etc. So can you talk about how you all went to from an how you approached connecting smart home tech that had different types of interfaces um, into your platform to make it kind of seamless for the the end user?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, well, and you're right. You know, I think all of these uh, consumer devices that come to market um, will inevitably have their own app. You, know, you go buy this thing from Best Buy uh, or wherever you buy things, uh, bring it home, plug it in, and its own native app will set it up, get it onto your network, uh, and do a great job of managing that particular device. Uh, but when you want to start coordinating them together, uh, that's where you need this sort of aggregation capability that I described earlier. Um, but but uh, just as much as being able to you know connect to all the devices in the home, we think you know uh, what's great um about our platform is that either we uh, or our customers and partners can quickly add new types of interfaces so just to give you some context you know when we started the company back in 2013 voice assistance didn't even exist yet Alexa was not on the market. Uh, uh, Siri wasn't being used in this manner. Uh, Google Assistant wasn't there. Um, but as soon as Alexa first shipped, uh, we were able to very quickly, with all the devices that were already connected to the Unomi platform, uh, make those available to Alexa. And we were one of the first, you know, half dozen. Uh, partners of Alexa, to suddenly make voice an interface for the smart home. That was really exciting times. Gotcha. Um, and uh, that's certainly caused a lot of growth uh, in our industry because everybody got excited about voice assistance. And I think they're still excited about that. But that's not the end of it because, you know, voice isn't always the optimal uh, interface for the smart home. There are other things. And so, uh, as an example, um, uh, we're working with a company called Naki who has this great knock interface uh, where you can make a surface, a wall, a table, a desk, a countertop as a controllable surface and then be able to do a knock pattern on that surface uh, to control smart home devices. That is a that that's a, another amazing you know new type of interface that never existed before, but suddenly because you know we have a software platform that uh, was very simple to integrate that with you know platform and suddenly enable all of these devices through an entirely new interface. And I'll give a I'll give a third example just because I think the way that we think about user interfaces for for iot uh, you know is is really being challenged um or is really challenging yes traditional ways of the way we think about user experience because it always used to be you know sort of visual uis but now we're talking about voice gestures or knocks or button pushes so connected car is another great example we were. Uh, with uh, Homelink Connect, uh, which is this, you know, sort of garage door opening interface that's embedded in most cars rolling around on the road. And instead of just being able to use that to open garage doors, that those three buttons that are on your mirror probably now can be programmed to, when you push that, not only does it close the garage door, it locks all the doors on the house, turns off the lights, it adjusts the thermostat. So, uh this is what what, what you know, sort of innovation uh, becomes
0: enabled once you unify the interface to all these devices in the home. Yeah, that sounds great. So uh, through the development of all of this, what have been some of the biggest challenges you guys have come across? So in the evolution of your product, let's say, so regarding new opportunities, you've come across customer interaction, changes of the market, um, you know, kind of that evolution from the Yonomi app um, and the, the integration it has with smart home devices, the continuous adding of new devices that are coming to market, and then kind of following up and transitioning, not transitioning, but uh, expanding your offerings into that enterprise platform you kind of offer now, where through that whole roadmap, did you see the biggest challenges? Because I think some of those challenges that you guys probably have seen are very um, transferable and relatable to other organizations within the IoT industry. And it may be nice to kind of have you shed some light on those challenges and advice you might have for, for organizations out there who may May encounter um, uh, challenges that come across with new opportunities, customers, and the changes of the market when they're developing a product or expanding their product line.
1: Yeah, um, well, a, a number of challenges. I mean, that's a that's a big question, and and uh, uh, we could talk all day on that topic of challenges. Um, but uh, but certainly. You know, what is a disparate ecosystem uh, for for the home uh, is a never-ending challenge. Um, we've built a very flexible software platform anticipating that all these devices would work differently. And uh, the level of openness of the various vendors who are providing these devices was going to be non-uniform, to say the least. Um, so we created uh, a platform that assumed a lot of um, heterogeneity um, and that could easily adapt to a lot of different types of uh, interfaces and so we've been continuing to build that out we've tested it and uh, you know uh, through all these challenges over the years and, um, and uh, it's evolved quite a bit so that uh, it is uh, you know really truly flexible so even though I think in the first iteration we probably focused on what was happening in North America in terms of which devices were popular and wanted to be connected, uh, to, you know, me platform and, and, and more recent couple of years focusing on what, um, European users really want and expect. And, uh, and before long we'll be, um, focusing on what, uh, some of the Asian, you know, countries and communities, uh, really want and expect in the platform too. Um, but, uh, but that's a never ending challenge. There are obviously thousands and thousands of different, uh, device makers out there and, uh, and being, Able to uh, flexibly connect to all of them and have, you know, sort of a, uh, A privacy model that, uh, that we think, you know, protects consumers, but it also, uh, you know, sort of complies with the, with the operating assumptions of the device maker, uh, has been uh, one of those challenges. But as, as then we've opened the platform for other people to build on enterprises and, and device makers and everything else. Um, one of the challenges there that, uh, that we have that I'm sure, you know, other entrepreneurs, you know, experience a lot is that well, those companies just don't move as fast as as uh, as startups do. You know, we make decisions really quickly. We do releases daily of our software, um, and uh, and our enterprise customers, maybe telecoms that you know are you know tens of billions of dollars of market cap and millions of customers, um, and their pace of making decisions, uh, building solutions. Testing those solutions, marketing those solutions and getting them out to consumers can take a very, very long time. And, uh, and that's, that's, uh, hard for, uh, startups like us who, who, uh, who, you know, one, just are impatient just by our, <laughs> our nature, I suppose. And uh, and two, you know that that's the thing that you know causes our own success is when our customers, you know, ultimately are shipping their product to millions of users, then we're going to be successful. And when it takes them two years to get there, that's you know that's a that's a big challenge. So along the way, we've um, we've operated our company very leanly, uh, so that we didn't have to raise, you know you know, tens of millions of dollars along the way and to operate it while we're waiting for, you know, the market to mature and for our large customers to be able to sort of roll out to their users. Um, so that's served as well, just the lean startup approach in general has served as well, even though we're, you know, over six years into this journey, um, it's still serving as well.
0: So when you guys are kind of looking to expand your offerings, picking you know organizations device manufacturers partners to work with in the IOT space obviously the the partnership discussion is a very unique one because it is a very partnership centric industry um, uh, you guys seem to have a very agnostic open platform that's most likely embraces some different kinds of ecosystem partners so can you talk a little bit through your thought process maybe your philosophy a little bit on building the platform you um, for partners and being able to um, maybe what you go through when you're thinking about the kinds of partners in an ecosystem that you're looking to have involved in um, anything that you're working on building?
1: Um, yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've, uh, we think of our platform as sort of a horizontal thing, meaning that, you know, we're trying to basically cover any type of device that's likely to come into the mass market consumers home. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, that may be different in the United States than it is in Japan. Um, and so, you know, bit by bit, we need to make sure we're covering that and fulfilling that promise. Um, but, uh but the other uh piece of it Ed, is that uh we try to listen really closely to our partners and customers about the problems that they're solving uh and try to make sure that we're you know we're really uh showing up and delivering for them and for the most part what we see is uh folks feeling very vertical use cases. So it may be, um, aging in place type of a use case, mm-hmm. or it might be an energy management use case, or it might be an insurance, uh, uh, or disaster mitigation type of use case. Um, and, uh, and so we've really tried to, uh, evolve our platform over the years, uh, so that, you know, we don't have to be experts in, say, energy management. And we don't have to know a lot about how uh, aging in place is going to work and the types of learning algorithms that they're going to apply to that problem. Uh, But we have to be open and flexible enough so that any one of those can come uh, layer on top of us. You know, this harkens back to my days in enterprise software. I mean, these are some of the same problems. Like, they expect us to solve the scalability the security, the privacy, um, and the performance issues and be open enough so that uh, their brand new use case that we never thought of when we were building the company to begin with can be easily layered on top of that. And they don't have to worry about the about the low level stuff. We don't have to worry about the high level stuff.
0: Totally makes a lot of sense. So this might be, I'm not sure um, what I'm really looking for here for an answer perspective on this question, because it's all new, but it has to do with the, with the coronavirus. But I, um, are you all doing anything related to the coronavirus, meaning in the sense that now people are staying at home more, um, you know, they're interacting with their devices more, their devices settings are probably changing. They're interacting with your application more like is there anything from a resource standpoint um, that you're you're interact that you're able to utilize your platform to help people when it comes to the kind of changes in lifestyle due to the stuff that's going on with Corona at the moment, um, and how it maybe affects the smart home. Yeah.
1: I think we're seeing this unfold, you know, before our eyes right now, it's really interesting. Um, Uh, you know, none of us know exactly how temporary this new mode is where most people or at least many people are working at home, um, or certainly spending a lot more time in their home. But I'm sure even once we're past this particular crisis, it will have changed us. I think more people will realize that they can and perhaps should be working at home, uh, more often, uh, and, you know, spending more quality time at home. So we're seeing this on a number of fronts already. Um, uh, certainly you know, the more time that people spend at home, the more they realize that, you know, boy, wouldn't it be nice to have this or that, you know, the smart light or the better, you know, thermostats or nicer speakers uh, or, right. uh, or smart locks or what have you. And so we are seeing kind of a flood of, of, of new users and use cases on top of that. But, but even more so, you know, our customers who are out there developing right now, um, solutions to go to market on with their, under their own brand and their own, uh, solution around, say, you know, aging or, um, call it telehealth, if you will. It's not exactly that, but, uh, you know, how to basically be able to, um, uh, to, to, um, be safer uh, by being at home. I mean, you know, we see these, these situations like in Washington State where, you know, uh, coronavirus gets into um into a nursing home and it can be devastating. Right. right. So, you know, as if there weren't enough reasons before to want to, uh, stay, and live longer in your own home before you move to a nursing home, you know, now that, you know, there's some other real safety issues to consider. Okay. Um, so, so I, I feel like you know this horizontal thing and the consumer app that we have today is definitely getting a lot more uptake, just because people are spending more time at home and want to uh, create a more comfortable and convenient mm-hmm. uh, environment for themselves. Yep. But uh, but I think we're going to see you know a whole generation of new apps. Pop up around uh, the assumption that people, you know, um, you know, are going to spend more time at home and are going to need new types of services, whether they're health or insurance, um, or um, or even uh, appliance diagnostics and that type of thing. So, um, so it's an exciting time for us from that standpoint that we can help enable those types of solutions. You know, it's unfortunate that uh, you know we're having to live through this this massive global crisis in order. Uh, for, for these new fresh ideas to sort of come up, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but nevertheless, maybe that's the silver lining. So we
0: expand on that a little bit and talk about how, um, You know, just from an industry perspective, hospitality and travel industries are obviously taking a huge hit with all of this, you know, so that results in consumers spending more time at home because they're not able to go out out, um, to other, you know, to visit other places. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about or talk a little bit about um, MSOs and how they're potentially could be expanding what they're doing to make that... um, transition or new way of life for the time being more comfortable? Um, I I guess more relating to what they're doing on the smart home side and how potentially Yonomi's platform could be supporting um, their initiatives as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I won't talk about any of them specifically, uh, but we see a lot of commonality, uh, uh, amongst the strategies of the, of the telecom types out there. Um, you know, it fundamentally, it, uh, MSOs and most telecoms, they are in the connectivity business. They used to be in the video business, right. but you know, right now I think you know they define their core, competence, core competency as being in the connectivity business. And the, and uh, how they're providing value there continues to expand. You think about you know when you know we when people first started getting broadband services at home, it came from your cable provider, um, and you know it. it it came through a coaxial cable, uh, that got connected to the outside of your house and then they gave you a motor, uh, and then the rest was up right. to you, you know, you got your own Wi-Fi router and things like that. Um, then in recent years, they've expanded, uh, the idea of what connectivity means to say, Hey, we're not going to just bring the pipe to the outside of your house. We're actually going to bring it, help bring it inside the house and give you, uh, a, you know, Wi-Fi service as well. So we can ensure high quality between the outside and the inside and uh, and give you more value as consumers. So that was great and the uptake on you know taking the cable company's uh, Wi-Fi router was really good. Then they started uh, saying, well, hey, we ought to make it easier for you to administer this network. You got a net- network in your home that we gave you. Um, you're going to let guests on it. You're going to let your kids, uh, you know, iPads and things like on that. You're going to put gaming on it. And we want you, you know, the, the parent presumably to be able to manage that uh, right. really well, and so get, they gave us tools for that. Now they're uh, the next stage of connectivity is thinking about okay, wh- what are the other types of devices coming into the home that are on that network, and how do we better enable that for users? And uh, and so now with thermostats and door locks and and whatnots, uh, they're starting to say, hey, we just as we can give you uh, tools and rules essentially to to manage your uh Wi-Fi users, uh we can help you do that also with your smart home devices to make it more comfortable, secure um and uh and reliable. Um, So that's where we're coming in uh, and we're being kind of sought out by them to to help them to kind of take that next step in uh, in uh, in connecting the rest of those devices uh, to not just to the network, but to create user experiences around that that add a lot of value, Um, because at the end of the day, you know they're in that connectivity business. Um, you know, maybe many of them, you know, didn't have a lot of competition in the past because they were kind of regional monopolies perhaps, but you know, those, uh, there, there is more competition for broadband to the Mm -hmm. home these days. And so I think everybody who's in the broadband business is thinking about how to provide more value to the consumer. So they have less, you know, so they're more
0: sticky. Right. 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 Okay. Great. In one of our previous, um, episodes, we talked to, um, Mm -hmm. someone from Lexus Nexus about insurance and the role that, um, they're playing in, 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 not just risk management, but also in, um, uh, the relationship with insurance companies and smart home devices and that kind of thing. So how can, I guess, insurance companies and home builders, and I'm hopefully this relates to, to what we've been talking about in some degree, but how can ins- yeah. insurance companies and home builders help customers kind of reduce the need for, um, expensive repairs using connected technology. And this is something that, um, I think we've definitely talked about on previous episodes, not just the episode with Lexus Nexus, but just regarding different applications of IoT devices, whether it be in enterprise or in smart home. But, um, How do you feel from or what are you seeing from your side of things on the application side um, regarding insurance companies, home builders and so forth, helping customers reduce um, issues in their home? It doesn't have to be full repairs, but it just could be issues in their home using these connected devices. And then how does a platform like yours kind of amplify those devices to make it more uh, beneficial for the home owner at the end of the day?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I think what we're seeing is uh, is that they're, they're, you know, use the insurance example and, and home builders too. Um, I think there's two things uh, that, you know, our services that they can and should be involved with. You know, one, it, it's being able to sort of, you know, uh, assess the the, the, the risk uh, um comparative risk of, of a particular home or homeowner. And certainly, um, you know, understanding what types of devices are in a home, uh, and how the consumer is using them might be a, a nice indicator of risk. And I, I think a lot of the insurance companies are very interested in exploring that. We certainly get approached about that. Uh, there are clearly privacy issues and stuff like that, that I think everybody's trying to wrestle with and do the right thing. Um, but there's right. clearly potential in just the learnings of how they can, you know, rate risk profiles of homes. And, uh, and clearly there's a strong thesis among insurers that, uh, folks who have smart home gear and have invested in that have a much better risk profile than folks who have it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the second thing and this is what you alluded to Ryan, which is, uh, okay, how can they be proactive in mitigating, uh, damages to a home, uh, or improving safety in a home. And so certainly we see, uh, lots of great use cases around detecting water leaks, which is kind of the number one, uh, thing that causes right. insurance claims in homes. And, and if a water leak can be detected earlier, um, uh, certainly the damage could be a lot less if in fact it can not just be detected, but mitigated immediately by turning off, you know, water valves, uh, you know, that makes it, you know, even, even, more of a better bet of uh, of not having you know a massive damage claim. Uh, obviously, smoke detectors, uh, 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 safety alarms of different types, uh, uh, burglar alarms, motion sensors, and that type of thing can can actually help a lot too. Um, and then you know when it gets to you know being able to mitigate some of those things, you know it is you know I think smart locks and the ability to grant access to your home, especially if you're remote and it's like. I don't know, a vacation home or you're on vacation and somebody needs to come in and make a repair in your home, you have the ability to temporarily unlock the door for that service provider. Right.
0: Yeah, that's 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 fantastic. Yeah, I think it's very interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see over the next number of years as these devices become more popular, be adopted by more. And I've talked about this with other guests that uh, the adoption rate of smart devices is is an interesting one, especially for home smart home devices. Very interesting one to me because most of the tech savvy um, individuals right now are in a certain age gap, and mo- usually that that skews a bit younger um, than the older generation who owns the homes and maybe not as tech savvy and not have really interesting in getting many smart devices, or maybe have just one or two and not, you know, really decking out their home with smart devices to see how the growth of smart devices for smart homes or devices for a home change over time as this younger generation who really is more focused on technology gets older and is able to afford homes, has homes and, and, and um, buys more devices that then affects the insurance industry and the you know just from the from a damage standpoint see how how much those devices are actually able to help mitigate any type of issues within homes um uh, so that data just over time i think will be very interesting to follow and see if um you know if that kind of correlates to in the way i think it will yeah exactly and uh, but you hit the nail on the
1: head though in, in the insurance industry you know it's all about um, uh, you know, years uh, worth of, of data, uh, before they, you know, uh, you know, can can basically prove, prove the thesis. Mm -hmm. Right. So they all have the thesis right right now and they're doing pilots and that type of thing, but, but you're exactly right. You know, it'll, it'll take, uh, quite a number of years before this becomes mainstream, you know, by their own standards.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I do. I do appreciate obviously your time in, in, in answering these questions and talking a little bit more about what you all are doing at, you know Me. I, I wanted to wrap up by asking a couple of just quick questions um, sure. at a high level. What are your thoughts? And this kind of expands on almost what I just said unintentionally, but what are your thoughts on the future of smart homes? Um, just take that in any direction you want, but it just thinking about smart homes and maybe we just focus on 2020, uh, 2021, like the next two years, where do you see? The biggest changes in the smart home market being? Um, and what are you maybe most excited to see uh, during that time period? Yeah. Well, I mean, a couple of things. I'll, I'll try to give a couple of brief
1: answers around that. And one of them is that, sure. um, you know, clearly there's an inevitability about um, uh, connected devices coming into every home whether it's a new yep. build or existing right. homes one by one, these things are coming into your home. It's, it's been the case already for a couple of years that you really can't even buy a TV that is not a, you know, a smart TV anymore. You know, it's connected to the network. It joins the Fi. Right. Uh, right. I, I think the, the same will be true for basically every appliance that you buy. Um, and, uh, and, and, and certainly light switch and, uh, and, and, and door lock and whatever. So, there's an inevitability about uh everything in the home becoming connected and that's and that's not a north american thing it's a global thing it will happen everywhere so so that's what's exciting about it is just that literally the addressable market for smart home types of services is global um and the, the second thing is that you know, we're still very much in the age today of, uh, of, you know, the, Trying to get the home to be obedient, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know. We we all use the term smart home, but this the homes aren't smart yet. Uh, yeah. At best, at best, they're obedient, right? They do what we tell them to do at the time that we told them to do it. Um, and if we get that right, most of the time, you know, we're doing pretty well right now. Um, there will be a time right. uh, in the future, uh, but it will happen bit by bit. It won't happen all at once. Where the homes actually do s- start to become smart, where they learn your patterns, mm-hmm. your references, and automatically, you know, sort of do the things that you would have asked them to do, but you didn't have to because they figured it out themselves. Um, now right, we have to right. be, we, the industry have to be, uh, very careful for how and when we apply that AI, if you will, uh, because obviously, uh, the ability to create bad user experiences where, you know, you know the ai thought you wanted the lights on right now but you really didn't and you were in the middle of a romantic moment or something you know that's a bad user experience that uh, is really just unacceptable um and uh, yeah. and so i think it'll come in, in in small ways you know a little bit about how your thermostat works and maybe you know um Uh, about, you know, uh, you know, how the, the lights adjust, you know, to, you know, what's going on with your television and stuff like that in little ways that are going to be non-obtrusive and, you know, we'll all learn from that. And, and then more and more over time, we'll just get better at it. And, uh, and there will be a time, you know, in our kids' generation where the homes really will be smart and they'll be doing good things for us. They'll consume a lot less energy. Uh, the, the residents will be safer. Um, they'll be more comfortable. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, you won't even, uh, think about your home being smart. It just does the right things. Right. Just like your car does. Hopefully most. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see that transition. I mean, you saw, you mentioned, you saw it with TVs, you see it with, with cars now and you know, I'm seeing it with, um, apartment complexes and stuff, especially those aimed at, uh, younger generations Coming, you know, their, their apartments coming with many smart devices already installed. So, um, I know some friends of mine who are in the construction space and they build homes for families. And that's a big thing is trying to figure out, especially when these developments that are being built, that are homes are very similar, trying to put certain smart home, um, devices in them from the get go. Um, especially on the side mm-hmm. of avoiding, um, like leak detection and so forth, things that will help them with, when it comes to a damage standpoint. Um, so I'd be curious to see how that's received and, and how that expands the smart device market. Um, and which, Device manufacturers that affects the most. For instance, if you're building a lot of homes and you're all using the same um hub or um thermos smart thermostat, let's say, does that then encourage families who own those homes to buy that same brand across the board? Or are they looking like how are they integrating different devices into their home? And I think your platform is one of those things that comes into play there um, and could be a huge benefit for the growth of smart devices. Um so speaking of your 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 platform and and your company, what what are some things I guess this is the way I want to kind of finish up is what are some exciting things that may be coming out this year, next year um, that we should be on the lookout for with your platform? I know you talked about getting into the enterprise space and so forth, but is there anything in particular that you're most excited about um, that our listeners should, um, you know, kind of take away from this and be on the lookout for?
1: Um, Well, uh, you know, the things that we're excited about are, uh, you know, some of the, some of the things that our, our customers do, you know, we, we are so much an enablement platform for, other people to innovate, and uh, what I get really charged up about is when we've got customers who uh, start releasing new products and services that 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 we somehow you know helped enable. Um, so we've got a customer this year who. Um, is releasing a key fob that, uh, that basically is something that you always carry in your pocket. Um, and, uh, you can basically use that to run your, you know, routines, uh, from. So it's, we talked about interfaces earlier. This is a new type of interface. You call it a wearable, if you will. Uh, but it's something that's always in your right. pocket and, uh, you could use it to con- control the environment around you. And that's really exciting. Um, we've, uh, we've got, uh, 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 telecoms and, and, and rural broadband providers starting to roll out smart home services, um, in, in both new construction, like you mentioned, as well as to existing homes. Um, and, uh, they're coming up with fantastic ideas for new user interfaces in the way that consumers will experience smart home through their platforms or through their, I guess, service. Um, and, uh, and that's pretty fun. Um, Uh, we'll, I think this year we'll see, uh, some of our biggest, uh, rollouts in, uh, in multifamily, uh, apartments in Japan. Um, and, uh, and that's that's really exciting as we sort of localize the platform, uh, and enable a partner over there who is a major developer of, of apartment and condos, uh, to, uh, roll out, um, you know, user experiences for their condos, which will be, uh, hopefully the gold standard for the way people expect their, their homes to work from now on. So those, those are the kinds of things. I mean, yeah, you'll see a whole lot of new device types come onto the platform this year. We hadn't done very much with, uh, appliances, uh, previously, but I think you'll see, you know, you know, uh, a lot of new, uh, white goods type of plants, washers, kitchen equipment, and things like that, being able to come onto the platform. And we're really excited to, uh, help right. a little that and see what consumers will do with it and what, again, you know, service providers like energy management yeah. and everything else will do. So it's a fun time. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. It sounds exciting. Um, I really I truly do appreciate your time coming on here and talking about all this. Um, I think what you guys are doing is fantastic. Um, the approach you all have is great. I think, you know, just keeping that agnostic kind of open <laughs> platform, allowing to, people to develop on it, kind of sol- this kind of solution for the smart home for enterprises and so forth is, is very much needed. Um, especially in a market like the smart homes, uh, where their devices are all over the place, the interfaces are all different and the interacting between those devices is super important to actually get the full value out of it. So, um, um, So uh, yeah, I was very, very pleased to, to have this conversation today, to learn about what you're all doing. And, um, I'd love to have you back on sometime later this year to kind of talk a little bit more about what we see after maybe a Corona dies down and what kind of changes we're seeing in the market, um, as it relates to what y'all are doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think
1: it'd be really interesting to have a debrief in a few months time to sort of see what, how things have really shifted as a result of that. I think you're right. Well, thanks Ryan for having me on. It's great to, uh, have this discussion with you. I think you guys are doing great work out there too.
0: so uh, we're proud to to uh, to be involved with you. We appreciate that. Yeah, we uh, we always love um, meeting new people, having more organizations associated with IoT for all, and um, you know, like I said, let's let's touch base in a couple months and see where things are, and hopefully have another discussion. All right, sounds good. All right, thank you. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the IoT for All Podcast. I hope you found a lot of value in our conversation today with Kent Dixon, the CEO and co-founder of Yonomi. If you did find a lot of value, we really appreciate it if you would leave a rating or review on whichever platform you're listening to us on. If you haven't done already, please subscribe to our social media or our newsletter to get the latest episodes as soon as they become available. You can also do that by subscribing on whichever podcast directory um, you choose to listen to our podcast on. Um, and if you also have any ideas or thoughts on guests that you'd like to see featured on this podcast, whether it be somebody from your company, somebody you know within your own network, or just somebody you think will be really interesting to listen to, please feel free to shoot me an email at ryan at iotforall.com, and we'll do everything we can to get them on the show. Thanks again for listening to this IoT for All podcast, and we'll see you next time.